Hey, welcome to the Neighbors Church Podcast. My name is Dan Braga, and my wife Alexis and I and a newly forming team, we're just grateful and so excited to be planting a new community of faith right here in the beautiful city of San Diego. So for the month of September, our community is actually meeting outside at Montezuma Park. We do brunch and then a little bit of Bible teaching. But because we're outside, the audio on these teachings can get a little bit rough. Um, I thought it would be more beneficial, less distracting, to get these initial teachings to our podcast listeners directly just by recording them for you. So, man, thanks for having us uh, along with you on your run or on your commute. For our first teaching series, I'm walking our community through our core values. We have three guiding values. Simplicity, stillness, and spirit. Let me just say those again. Simplicity, stillness, and spirit. So these values, they function like a lens that brings clarity to all of the decisions that we're trying to make and all the actions that we want to take. These values for neighbors, they're like a filter of sorts. So we've got to put everything through the grid of simplicity and stillness and spirit. Now, leadership and shame guru Brene Brown, who I'm sure you've been reading, and if you're not, you should be, she says, living into our values means that we do more than profess our values. We practice them. We walk our talk. We are clear about what we believe and hold important. And we take care that our intentions, words, thoughts, and behaviors align with those beliefs. I think Mrs. Brown is spot on. So what we're doing is we're just taking time to explain and offer some of the reasons or the whys behind our particular values. And then we really want to encourage one another to take care that our intentions, our words, our thoughts, our behaviors, that they actually align with our beliefs about what is most important. And so we're starting with value number one, simplicity. Now on the surface, simplicity sounds simple. (laughs) It sounds super easy. We equate simplicity with effortlessness and no complications. Simplicity is simple, right? And of course, the answer to that is wrong. Nothing actually seems to be simple. Um, Anyone who's mastered something, they did so by repeatedly practicing the basic fundamentals of their respective fields. So master musicians, they have spent countless hours on just simple scales over and over. Professional athletes, they practice rudimentary drills over and over, no matter how long they've competed in their respective sports. Artists who have really made an impact They are the ones that are incredibly adept at the fundamentals of things like form and value and perspective and proportion. I'm pretty sure this is why Pablo Picasso said that art is the elimination of the unnecessary. So following Jesus and obeying Jesus, it's simple and yet infinitely complex. We followers of Jesus, we're always going to be growing in our knowledge of God. We're always going to be increasing in our obedience to him, but we will never outgrow the fundamental truths. We have to return to the simple basics every single day of our lives. Now, the Apostle John, in the opening of his gospel, which is a a biographical account of Jesus of Nazareth, he gives two simple truths that we build everything in our lives on in this value of simplicity. So if you have your phones or your Bibles uh, and you're not driving, you can open up to John chapter one. Uh, The first foundational truth is this. There's a God and he made everything that exists, including us. Let me read to you. John chapter one, verses one through three. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So the simple fact that there is a God and that that God made everything, including you and including me, this means that you and I, we are not accidents. Because there's a God who made everything, including you and me, we actually have purpose in the mind of our creator. We have value and beauty as his creations. And we have a responsibility to seek him and to obey him. So simplicity as a value, it means that we return over and over, moment by moment, day by day, through the entirety of our life, to this grand truth that there, there is this God out there that exists and that that God made us and that we can know, we can truly know ourselves and we can understand and have meaning and purpose and love in relationship to him. That really is the foundation of everything. Now, the Christian God revealed in the Bible has revealed himself in Jesus of Nazareth. When we see Jesus, we see eternal creator God in the flesh. His actions and words were and are God's actions and words. The God that we are returning to over and over is Jesus. As I've said, that sounds so simple. We live into our relationship with God. God is revealed by Jesus and everything goes great. Of course, we know that's absolutely not the case. We all know that things go terribly wrong and something is terribly wrong. And John explains to us why in verses 10 through 11 of John 1, he writes, he, referring to Jesus, was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So what John is saying happened and happens to this day is that we humans, we reject the simple truth that God exists. We resist the truth that God made us. We deny the truth that we can only know ourselves and meaning and purpose in relationship to the God who made us. We don't want to receive that. And the Bible tells the story of our earliest ancestors, Adam and Eve, as the source of this problem. God created them to be like him, to be his image bearers, as the theologians call them. Image bearing was both their identity and their purpose. Adam and Eve, they were to go into creation and reflect God, and they were also to rule on behalf of God. And all of that was to take place in the context of this loving and obedient, intertwined relationship with him. Now, Genesis tells us that there was a talking snake in this space that God lived with Adam and Eve. Weird, I know. We'll talk about that in much later teachings in the life of our church. But the serpent deceived Adam and Eve. And they essentially, under the counsel of the serpent, began to believe that they could be like God, but without God. And so they essentially failed to trust their creator's wisdom and their creator's goodness. As God was warning them about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam and Eve, they chose to trust their own narrative. They chose to redefine good and evil for themselves. And that is now the plight of all human, of all humans. 
every one of us, we now sinfully try to be like God only without God because we are all, in essence, deceived. And so we choose to self-define. We chart our own course. We decide what is good. We decide what's evil. We decide what's beautiful and ugly. We decide what's true and what's a lie. And we do that all apart from God. And the result of that is personal death and ultimately universal death. The good news, though, is that God doesn't leave us in our rebellious state. That's what the whole point of the Gospel of John and really the whole point of the Bible is. He comes after us, God does, and he communicates his love to us in a myriad of ways over and over, trying to woo us back to himself. God's heart longs to be in loving relationship with us always, no matter our state. And so when we respond, when we hear, see, come to understand his love towards us, and we respond with trust and obedience, well, then we receive this second, simple, fundamental truth. We actually receive our true identity. John 1, verses 12 through 13. John says, To all who did receive him, that is, who surrendered to the love of God, who trusted him, who received Jesus, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And so simplicity and the value of simplicity, we practice, we return to the rudimentary truth that there's a God, that God made everything, including us. And the only way we can know meaning, purpose, and love is by being in relationship with that God. But simplicity gives us this second core value, this second core truth that we return to over and over. And that is, when we trust and surrender to God, we walk in our true identity as loved children who are receiving and living out of his love every day. And I would say, in my experience, this is probably the most difficult aspect of simplicity. It's the hardest scale to learn, so to speak. Um, Choosing to believe what God says about us, regardless of what we've done or not done, and then behaving as if being God's loved child is enough and we don't need anything else, that, that, sim- that simple way of being in the world is so difficult to achieve. Now, simplicity, it's an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. What we believe inwardly about God and ourselves results in outward behaviors, And so we want to examine those outward behaviors a little bit now. When we distill everything down, when we become introspective, down to the bare bones, and we start asking, okay, what's complicating my life? Uh, What's producing anxiety? What's making me angry? Why am I depressed about this or that? What is causing division right now in my relationships or strife? When we distill that all down to the bare bones, what we will often find is it's all about our identity management. We are managing our identities. So separated from God, we actually create false identities. Not childlike identities, but false identities. And these identities, they give us a pseudo sense of beauty and significance and acceptance and love. And these fabricated identities, they continually fail us. But we continue to expend tremendous amounts of emotional and spiritual and physical energy in creating and maintaining them. 
The story of Genesis tells us that Adam and Eve, they covered themselves with fig leaves. It was the first forming of a false identity to hide themselves from each other and hide themselves from God. So the core of false identity for us is the belief, and this is Basil Pennington who says this, that our value depends on what we have, our value depends on what we can do, and our value depends on what others think of us. That is the core of false identity. Our value is based on what I have, what I can do, and what others think of me. When we turn to God in surrender and obedience, we are returning to that childlike reality, and we are intentionally turning from and ridding ourselves of all the unnecessary things that we've been anxious about, angry about, striving for, hurting others to gain, whatever it may be. We turn from those intentional uh, attachments And we reorient our identity on the simple truths of God is, and I am his child, and I am loved by him. Therefore, outwardly, simplicity, it looks like letting go of stuff. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is where this value gets so tough. It can look like getting rid of unnecessary items. It looks like reducing the complexity of our calendar rhythms. It looks like shrinking the size of the things that we have. It can look like limiting time on certain technologies. Many, many, many ways outwardly that we begin to simplify our lives in accord with the simple truths that we believe inwardly. Now, really important note here. The prospect of, of simplicity, ridding ourselves of outward things in accord with our inward beliefs, it, it can be overwhelming at first um, because these concepts and these ideas are foreign to us in this affluent American culture that we live in, but it doesn't need to be. We, we start the value and living into the value of simplicity, we start small and we start slow. And this is why. Simplicity is not a one-size-fits-all for everybody. Because each of us are building our identities on different things. Spiritual director David Benner, he writes, The life of a false self is a life of excessive attachments. The false self grasps for anything that appears to have substance and then clings to these things with the tenacity of a drowning man clutching a life ring. One person might cling to his possessions, accomplishments, or space. Another may cling to her dreams, memories, or friendships. Any of these things can be a blessing or a curse. They are a blessing when they are held in open hands of gratitude. They become a curse when they are grasped in clenched fists of entitlement and viewed as me or mine. So our value of simplicity, it calls us to carefully and introspectively assess, what am I clinging to? Am I clinging to the fundamental truth that there's a God and that God made me and that my meaning comes from him, my purpose is in him, and that my identity before him is loved child? Am I clinging to that or am I clinging to something else? Simplicity, it calls us to investigate. Why am I anxious about this? Why am I depressed over that? Why is this making me so angry? And then simplicity compels us to intentionally turn from and rid ourselves of these unnecessary identity management attachments. So simplicity is this call to return to the God who made us, to trust him and obey him more fully, more completely, more deeply, and live truly out of that childlike, loving, intimate relationship with him. Sounds simple. It is super difficult. 
And simplicity is not something that comes quickly for anyone. Really, our value of simplicity is a lifelong commitment to discerning what we are attached to and coming back to the rudimentary basics of our faith. God is, God made us, I'm his child, and that's enough. To simplify is to become aware of anything that we've based our identity on, apart from just being his kid. Now, God, he knows. Our Father knows how difficult this process is. He knows how tightly we cling to false attachments and pseudo-identities. He knows how difficult it is for us to believe that he exists and that he made us and that he loves us. He knows that. But God is infinitely patient and so generously kind, and he will never overwhelm us in any sort of condemning fashion. Now, simplicity for myself, for you, most likely, let's start small. It can start by simplifying the amount of time that we just spend on social media platforms and maybe increasing the amount of time that we spend in the Bible and with Christian community. Uh, Maybe it looks like just trying to take one thing off of our calendar for the week, if at all possible. Just one thing that we say no to, to simplify the busyness of our life and have a little bit cleaner calendar that serves us versus, versus like enslaves us. Maybe simplicity for some of us this week looks like buying one less article of clothing, looking through our closet saying, as a child of God, I have enough right now, or not getting that pair of shoes. Um, For some, it might start with, and I do this, this is a big one for me, just practicing little thought experiments where I'm envisioning my life in obscurity. Uh, I intentionally stop pursuing and making decisions after the pursuit of significance or acceptance, And in the moment, I just practice gratitude for what is, for who I am, for being loved by God. Um, Now, as we increase, as we grow in following Jesus, the Spirit will lead all of us to more extreme versions of simplicity. For some, God may call you to sell everything and go serve on the mission field. Um, God may call us to sell vast amounts of things and give to the proceeds, give the proceeds to like, you know, various social justice initiatives. For some of us, he may say, I don't want you to upsize the home. I want you to downsize the home. Many, many ways. Understand, our value of simplicity is not commands, but the value of simplicity we really do believe is vital for our personal souls. Uh, David Benner, again, he's very pointed. He says, we think of our attachments as anchors of well-being We feel good when we're surrounded by what seem like innocent indulgences, and they seem to secure a state of pleasure that would not be ours without them. In reality, however, they sabotage our happiness and are hazardous to both our spiritual health and our psychological health. And so simplicity, personally, for us as individuals, is a pathway to true liberty. Simplicity frees us from our attachments so that we might more fully experience ourselves as loved children and be satisfied and full and go forth into the world to give that gift to others. But simplicity is not only for our own personal soul's sake. It's also for the sake of others. Let me tell you what I mean. Again, from the Gospel of John, John 1, verses 6 through 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. Now, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John the Baptist, 
he's one of my favorite characters in the whole Bible. He was extreme in almost immeasurable ways. I really love him. Can't wait to meet him. And his life was extreme to the onlookers in his culture um, because of his, really, his incredible simplicity. John's residence where he lived, as far as we know, was the deserts of Judea, very barren expanse. Um, His clothing was camel hair and a leather belt. And his diet was simple, locust and honey. Uh, Gross. John was anything but the modern-day foodie. But his simplicity, all of these things, his residence, his clothing, his diet, it was all pointing to this deeply obedient life that John the Baptist had with God as his prophet. John's mission was to proclaim Jesus as the coming light. And he somehow understood that simplicity was vital to that mission. He found the utmost joy in obedience to his father, and he just exalted Jesus, refusing to keep up with the Joneses of his day. And so simplicity for us as a community value, it actually becomes a tangible testimony to our circle of friends and to our family and to strangers and and even to our enemies. Simplicity becomes a tangible testimony of a better way to be human. As we practice simplicity, as we engage with this value and let it filter our decisions and our actions, it's as if we see the light more and more. And then we are going and inviting our fellow humans who are still imprisoned in darkness to come join us in the newfound freedom that we have. Our culture is really at a tragically ironic crisis point. We have more wealth, more comfort, more technology, more access to information than any other society in human history. The average American home has over 300,000 items in it. The average home size has almost tripled over the last 50 years. And the fastest growing real estate segment in the United States over the last 40 years has been self-storage rentals. At this point, one in 10 Americans now have at least one storage unit in which there is things that they are not using at all. So information access, it comes at us in this constant deluge. It tells us who to be, what to have, who's better, what's next. On average, guys, we pick up our phones 58 times a day, averaging in upwards of four and a half hours on them. That means that we will spend 68 full 24-hour days on our phones this year if we hold up to that statistic. That is scary. Despite all this, more wealth, more technology, more storage space, more information, our society collectively is finding itself more lonely, depressed, and anxious than ever before. You know, the cracks in the foundation of the American dream, they're increasing. And I think this is why the tiny house movement has exploded. I think this is why millennials and Gen Z are in droves, opting for the decked out bus life instead of the three bedrooms in the white picket fence. You know, more and more people are opting to live in less space with less stuff so they can live life more fully. It's as if society is just primed right now. They're discovering what Jesus followers have known for millennia, that we are more than what we own and we are more than what we do. The missing piece for our hip minimalist neighbor living in their bus is Jesus. Just getting rid of stuff for the sake of a better life That's going to eventually fail because remember simple truth number one, God is, God made us, 
and our meaning and purpose cannot be known apart from him. And so that is what we apprentices of Jesus, that's what we bring to the table in simplicity. We do not bring that to the cultural table if we're just as plagued with the same anxieties, same anger, same depression, same issues. Because Jesus lived a life of simplicity in the midst of one of the most opulent societies to ever exist, the Roman Empire, we as a community, we are embracing simplicity as a guide. I mean, even our neighbor, neighbor's church, it's based on one of Jesus's most simple but powerful teachings. Love God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's simple. And so simplicity is how we as a community want to filter everything, how we, how we do our gatherings, how we spend our money, how we do mission, how we teach, everything. And it's not easy. But every time we choose to let go of what we think we must have, what we think we must be, what we think we must do, it results in receiving more of God and we are more liberated and more free and we shine more brightly to a very dark and imprisoned world. We want to point to the God who is light and truth and grace and love. And we do that the more fully we experience our true selves simply in his love. The cross of Jesus, the cross of Jesus, this is where he was stripped in our place. In essence, Jesus was exposed. There was no covering for Jesus. There was no mask. There was no falsity in him. And he was literally exposed so that we could come into God's presence just as we are and let him robe us. We don't need to fear being our true selves with God because he then robes us in his righteousness in our true identity as his children. In essence, Jesus took all of our false identities and all the attachments that we were clinging to, and on the cross we were put in him, and he was stripped. He was stripped of our attachments, stripped of our false identities in our place. It's this kind of love that motivates us. It's this unconditional love that truly transforms us to live as the children that we are. And it's this love that compels us to continually simplify and reorient and focus all of our being and life on God and for God and do everything that we do through God. And so as we wrap up this teaching, I really want to encourage you, pull your earbuds out when this is all done and find a place. Take 10 minutes and grab uh, your journal, get still, get quiet before God. And, and try to introspectively investigate, what am I anxious about right now? What am I so angry about? What am I worried about? What, what am I striving for? What's causing division? Invite the Holy Spirit to just open your eyes to the things that you may be attaching yourself to, to the beliefs that, to the beliefs that aren't in line with the fact that there's a God who exists, who made you, and who loves you, and wants you to live as his child first and foremost. Be brutally honest with yourself and with God. Don't be afraid. Jesus was already stripped so that you can come to him unashamed and he will robe you in a righteousness that is not your own. He will make you and help you sense that you are his loved child. Super simple stuff. Blessings on you.